Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. We're going to be going to Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and um, I'm going to conclude our series, uh, Be the Light, today, and so I'm going to be taking you there to Matthew 5 to kind of close this series out as we get ready to launch into our Easter season. Before we do that, while you're turning there, I want to tell you, yesterday, uh, Zane and I had a near-death experience, and uh, if you have not seen it on Facebook, I want to give you the opportunity to sharing in our fear and sharing in our, our tragedy. Yesterday, we were out canoeing on uh, our little pond, and uh, I was actually fishing. He was kayaking and just going all over the place. And so I was fishing, and I was going to drift into these trees because the wind kept pushing me, and I was tired of paddling, and I wanted to fish. So as I was drifting this way, I thought, you know, I ought to check that tree and make sure there's nothing back there that I don't want to join me in the boat. And as I turned around, this is what was looking at me, uh, probably about four foot away. And so uh, I'm not necessarily scared of snakes, but I'm not friends with snakes either. You know what I mean? I don't want one in the boat with me. I don't want one. There's only one of us going to be in the boat. If he gets in the boat, I'm getting out of the boat. You know what I mean? So (laughs) anyway, it was an adventure uh, field day yesterday, and so uh, anyway, good times, good times. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, concluding our series, Be the Light. I hope that this series has been impactful for you. I hope that uh, over the course of the last three weeks that this has been a blessing to you, that there's been things along the way that has changed your perspective and challenged your thinking and what God is even um Uh, speaking to you in this season of your life. Our series text is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. I was uh, just doing some research on light and just this idea of light in in, uh, relation to God and just how it kind of ties together and how throughout Scripture over and over you use the, you see uh, God being identified with the word light. And uh, there was an article from National Geographic, and I want to read it to just a short excerpt of it, but I want you to think about this in light of God, in relation to God. There has been light from the beginning. There will be light at the end in all its forms, visible and invisible. It saturates the universe. Light is more than a little bit inscrutable. Modern physics has sliced the stuff of nature into even smaller and more exotic constituents, but light won't reduce. I love that. Light is light, pure, but not simple. No one is exactly sure how to describe it. A wave, a particle, yes, the scientists say both. It is a measure of light's importance in our daily lives that we hardly pay any attention to it. Light is almost like air. It's a given. I love that in light of God, in, 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 in relation to God. I love that it says light won't reduce. God's not smalling himself up in your life. You know, so many times we think, man, I can't find him. I don't know where he is. I don't know why he won't answer me. 
I don't know why he's not working in this situation. Let me tell you, the God of the universe that created everything is still just as big as he was then. He's still just as big in your life as he was then. He does not reduce. Adam Clark, speaking of life, says this. He says, it's immense diffusion and extreme velocity are alone sufficient to demonstrate the being and wisdom of God. God's first words recorded in Genesis, let there be light, started a chain reaction of conversion from the negative to the positive that is still happening today. God's command, let there be light, was not only a transformation of the natural world, it was also a declaration of his own arrival on the scene of our world and that his supremacy would always stand transcendent to any claim that darkness might have. In addition, that phrase would stand throughout human history as a spiritual mandate to be carried out by every Christian who would become a partaker in that light. From the beginning... You and I were given the ministry of conversion. God gave that to us. And he said, go into all the world, take what's negative and make it positive. Take what the enemy means for bad and let me do something good with it. Take what is hopeless and let me convert it into something that has hope. We've been given the ministry of conversion, converting negatives into positives and changing the world from lost to saved, from bound to free, from darkness to light, from hopelessness to everlasting hope that we find in Jesus Christ. What a ministry we have this morning. So this morning, I want to preach to you, let your light shine. Father, we come to you this morning. We ask for your strength. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for total engagement from ourselves, Lord, to your spirit. We want, Lord, to react to what you're doing. We want to respond to how you're working. We want to feel what you're doing in this place, God, and we want to respond to those things. Lord, we thank you for your grace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 5, 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Remember that I told you throughout this series that Almost always in Scripture, what you see is that light is synonymous with salvation and darkness is synonymous with sin. Light is also synonymous with truth. The two of those are interchangeable throughout Scripture in many ways. So when Scripture refers to truth, it's also referring to light. And when it's referring to light, it's also referring to truth. They're interchangeable because both of those things represent the person of Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John 1, 6, he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light and the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This morning, I want to take you through three things that I think should be foundational to us in our walk with God. Three things that should drive who we are and, 
and, and what we do. Matthew 5.14, go back there. It says, you are the light of the world. 2 Corinthians 4.6 says it like this. It says, for it is, who, it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. The same God who did that in the beginning, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Here's the first point I want to make today is this, that the cross changes everything or it changes nothing. I said the cross changes everything or it changes nothing. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that everything changes immediately. I'm a big proponent. I believe that God works out our salvation over a course of time. I believe that sometimes it takes a little while to get sanctified in every area of your life. And I'm betting this morning that even though we're working that way, not all of us are completely sanctified. Matter of fact, none of us are completely sanctified, are we? We got a ways to go. But even though it doesn't happen immediately, it should happen eventually, right? It should start to take an effect on our lives over the course of time. The things that I struggled with two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago are not the same stuff that I should be struggling with today. There should be some transformation that is taking place in my life as I walk with Jesus Christ and as I allow him to conform me, shape me, and mold me into the person that he created me to be. Here's something else about that is that the gospel wrecks everything that it touches. It wrecks everything. It completely disrupts our lives. It completely changes our lives. It completely wrecks and then rebuilds everything that it touches. And if it hasn't wrecked everything yet, it will. Because I come to him messed up. I come to him in need. I come to him in my depravity and in my sin and in my struggle. And it's through his encounter with the cross that God begins to change all of those areas of my life. It changes everything or it changes nothing. We oftentimes look at the gospel, I think, as a buffet line. Right? I want a little bit of this. I'll take a little bit of that. I don't like that flavor. I don't like the way they make that. But I either take the whole or I reject the whole. I have to accept it all or I have to reject it all. This is not a piecemeal deal. This is not have it your own way. This is have it God's way. And it changes everything in my life or it changes nothing at all. Here's the point I want to make this morning to you. I'm trying to drive home. It's either the cross matters or it doesn't. It's changed the trajectory of my life or it hasn't. It brought me to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or it didn't. There is no in-between there. It either did or it didn't. Look at the verse again, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's shown in our hearts for what purpose? To give light. God did a work in me so that I could do a work in somebody else. 
God did something in me that didn't stop with me. It started with me. You ever think about this? We were talking about this in prayer time this morning. That we come to an end most, in most cases in our lives. I mean, we come to service and the goal is get to the end, right? I'm not suggesting that we don't come to try to get something out of it. But I'm just suggesting that we come with an end in mind. We come for the end uh, of the altar. We come for the end of worship. We come with this idea that we're going to start one place and we're going to get somewhere else and we're going to come to an end. But I think that Jesus said I, in the beginning, right? I mean, in the beginning, God is always the beginning of everything that we're aiming for. And so service is not an end. It is a beginning. It's a launching point for what God is trying to do next in my life. And here's what I think that would help all of us is that we come into service and we think about what's next. Not not how can we get through this so that we can get to what's next, but what is God trying to do next in my life? What's the encounter for? What's the message about? What's the altar for? What's God speaking to me about? And how do I respond to what God's saying in my life? Because it's not an end. It's the beginning. And every day we get to start fresh and start new. Every day is a new beginning with my life that God says today is a day that we're going to start something great together and we're going to do something great together. It doesn't come to an end. It's only going to end when He comes back for us. And you could even argue then it's really a new beginning for eternity. The cross changes everything or it changes nothing. And it's shown in our hearts to give the light. So I'm convinced. And listen, I love every person in this room. And I promise you that what I'm about to say and what I'm preaching is out of that love for the people in this room that God has entrusted into my care. But I am convinced of this truth. That if you know Jesus, you have to share Jesus. I don't think that's for debate. I don't think that's up for discussion. I don't think that we, I've heard people argue it, but I'm just telling you from my conviction in my own heart and what I believe that the Word of God tells us right here in the Scripture that I just read you, that if we know Jesus, we share Him. And we got to tell somebody about Him. And if you don't share Jesus, then what does that say? Maybe it says, I don't really know Him. We've received it, now we got to give it. We received it, now we got to give it. Why, Pastor? Because the cross. Because the cross. Because the cross changed everything in our lives, or it hasn't changed anything in our lives. Where would we be without Jesus? Where would we be without the cross? Let me ask you, what does the cross mean to you? What does the cross demand of you? cross changes everything or it changes nothing the cross placed a demand on my life because of what I have received from it that demand is a responsibility to give what I have received to whom much is given much is required we've been given much we were given much at Calvary and much is required of us so I'm just challenging all of us in this room, that we need to be the truth in somebody's life. You be the truth in someone's life because the cross has changed everything for you. This is a church of people that have been changed forever by the power of the cross.
I said, this is a church of people who have been changed forever by the power of the cross. I came in here one way, and God changed my life, and I came out a different way. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was hopeless, but now I got something that I'm living for. It's changed everything. It's changed everything. Our sins were crucified, our old lives buried, but from the grave rose a new life empowered by the Spirit of God, full of the life of Jesus Christ. It's the cross this morning. Amen. Verse 14 goes on to say, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. The second point I want to make today is that when you know the truth, you're responsible for the truth. When we know the truth, we're responsible for the truth. I think we can even go a step further in this and say, if we really know the truth, we can't hide the truth. I mean, if I really come face to face with Jesus Christ and I've been delivered from my condition of sin because of Him, how can that not have an effect on me that goes beyond me? How can it? Verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. May see. In other words, it's easily identifiable. Not indiscernible. Identifiable, not indiscernible. Everyone can see the difference. Everyone can taste and see that God is good. Everyone can recognize the fruits of God working in our lives. The life of God flowing in our lives. The Spirit of God leading in our lives. And maybe this morning, this is what I'm about to say, maybe too harsh of a statement. If it is, forgive me. But if people must ask if we are Christians, maybe we're not. When you know the truth, you're responsible for the truth. Let your light shine, it says. Ed Cole says this about truth. I love this. He says, truth is not an option in life. It is an absolute Truth is not an option in life. It is an absolute. Truth will always win. Truth can never be defeated. Truth can never die. Truth was crucified, laid in a grave, and rose on the third day. The truth that set the pattern and gave the principle to all truth was Jesus Christ. You and I know the truth this morning. And His name is Jesus. And because we know Him, we're responsible for what we know. If I know He can change my life, then I'm responsible for making sure others know He can change theirs too. If He can answer life's questions for me, then I'm responsible for making sure others know He can answer their life's questions as well. If I know He's the key to victory, if He's the key to blessing, if He's the key to healing, if He's the key to life full of abundance, then I'm responsible to make sure others know that too. I know the truth, I'm responsible for the truth. Verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men. 
Romans 2.18 says this. It says, and know his will and approve the things that are excellent. Being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and the truth in the law. The last point I want to make is this, that silence is the enemy of truth. Silence is the enemy of truth. The cross has changed everything. We know the truth. We're responsible for it. But silence is the enemy of that truth. So share the truth. You've got to tell somebody. Some of you can probably relate to this concept from your B.C. days. That B.C. stands before Christ days. Anybody remember going back those days? Some of you. You have the right to remain silent. That might have been something you heard in your B.C. days. Yes, you have the right to remain silent in that instance, B.C. But after Christ, you do not have the right to remain silent. No one has the right to remain silent in the kingdom of God. Let me say it again this morning. I want everybody in the place to hear you are an everybody. Okay, You are an everyone. You are a whosoever. And so when Scripture's talking, it's talking to you and to me. It's talking to all of us. Everyone has the responsibility to share the Word of God that has received the Word of God. No one has the right to remain silent when it comes to the kingdom of God. you got to tell somebody. i got to tell somebody. we got to make Jesus known. That's who we are. We don't have the option or the right to keep what Christ has done for us to ourselves. It's the sin of omission. And, and let me just take a moment here and talk about this because I think this is good just depth for us to hear this morning. Sin of omission. There's two types of sins that fall into two different categories basically. The sin of commission and the sin of omission. In other words, what I don't do that I should and what I do that I shouldn't. Think about this. Think about this this morning. It is what I don't do that separates me from eternity with God, not what I do. It's what I don't do that separates me from eternity with God, not what I do. Think about this. It's when I don't confess Him as Lord. It's when I don't serve Him. It's when I don't obey Him. It's when I don't take up my cross daily and follow Him. When I don't honor Him. Those are sins of omission, and those are what keep me from Him. We're too consumed with what we are doing that we shouldn't be doing. Too consumed with what we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. I know when I fail. I know when I mess up. I know when I blow it. I know when I speak and I should have kept my mouth shut. I know when I have a bad attitude. Those are things that we are consumed with. Those are things we shouldn't be doing that we're doing. But those are the things that are not keeping us from from eternity with God. It's what we should be doing that we're not doing that's keeping us from eternity with God. 
It's not confessing Him and falling on His strength and relying on His strength every day. It's not letting Him take the lead and following with His Spirit and keeping in step with His Spirit each and every day. We get so consumed with the things that we shouldn't be doing that we end up doing and we miss the things that we're not doing that we should be doing. Get busy about the Father's business and we don't have time for the devil's business. One more thing about this that I want to say is that if our sin intimidated Jesus, no one would ever get saved. Because here's a news flash for everybody in the building. You're all sinners. Me too. We all got struggles. We all got areas we need redeemed. We all got areas that we need the blood of Jesus to cover our lives with. And if sin intimidated Jesus, none of us would be saved. But just like in the beginning when darkness covered the earth and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the darkness, it's proof right there that in the beginning God set the standard that He was not going to let darkness dictate terms in any situation, in anyone's life, in any part of this natural world, that He was going to move right in there and begin to do His work of conversion from negative to positive. We all start in sin. So what keeps us from Jesus is what we don't do, not what we do. Focus on doing right and you won't have to worry about doing wrong. The positive will convert the negative. You know the truth. Share the truth. Silence is the enemy of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. When I'm silent, I set myself up in opposition against him. Verse 18 of Romans 2 again says, And know His will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind. If you're underlining in your Bibles, underline this. A guide to, a, to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. Do you see how it identifies us? It identifies us as a guide, as an instructor, as a teacher. Notice this about those three things. They're all tied to what? The mouth. Every one of them are tied to the mouth. You're a math teacher in school. April's a math teacher. But she doesn't teach math by simply uh, modeling excellence in math in front of the students. She doesn't teach math by just being good at math. Nobody learns that way. You learn from instruction, from teaching. I give you examples, and then I let you do the work. And so when you do the work, you start to learn from my example, but you've got to do the work. I can watch all day how to do algebra on YouTube, and I can promise you that if I don't get in there and start doing it, I'm not going to learn how to do it. A guide doesn't just walk in front of you. They speak about the way. What's ahead? What to expect? What to look for? Where to watch? They speak. They communicate. An instructor, what do they do? They instruct 
All of those are tied to the mouth. And here's the key. When truth has been lived, truth can be declared. When truth is lived, truth can be declared. But when a life of Christ has been represented, the person of Christ must be presented. we got to tell somebody. We lead in lifestyle, and the lifestyle gives us a voice. But it's not enough just to lead in lifestyle. Somebody's got to say something. Here's a, here's a little fact for you. Nothing changes in the kingdom of God unless somebody says something. Nothing changes in the kingdom of God unless somebody says something. In the beginning, God spoke. And he set a context for how everything changes in the world around us. And it changes through our tongue, through our voice, through our mouths. It is us that is creating the world that we're living in. And it is us that gives an oppor- that's been given an opportunity to create a world for somebody else to live in. But we have to use our voice. Silence is not an option. It's the enemy of truth. Lauren, would you come this morning? Let your light shine. Jesus, Jesus is your light. Let him shine through you. John 12, 32 says, And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Stand with me across this place. You are a positive in someone's life. I said, you are a positive in someone's life. God has put you between them and eternity in hell. And you're the one that points them to heaven. You're the one that God has chosen to stand between them and an eternity that he never chose for them, but to point them to the eternity that he has prepared for them. You're a positive in someone's life. You are the potential for change. In someone's life. You are the truth and the light that they're going to see in this world. Challenge this morning is simple. Don't hide it. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Be the light for your co-workers. Be the light for your family. Be the light in your community. Be the light in your household. Be the light in your church. Spend your life turning negatives into positives. Every head bowed and every eye closed across this room. You're here, you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm not sure that the cross has changed everything in my life, but today I want it to. Today you come to a crossroads of decision. You find yourself in a place where you have the choice. It's in your hands. The power's in your hands. And you can choose to continue on in the path that you've been going. Or you can choose to stop at the foot of the cross and let God give you a new pathway, a new future, a new direction, a new life. You're here. You say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, but I want to. I don't walk with Jesus today, but I want to. I don't have a relationship with him, but I want to. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right where you're at across this place? Nobody looking around. This is between you and I and the Lord this morning. Would there be one that says, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus today. Don't leave this place the same. Don't leave this place unchanged. Let the gospel wreck your life because when he does, he'll rebuild it and it'll be better 
than it was before. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. Amen. No one raised a hand in this place, so that means that every person in this place has given their life to Jesus already. So then look this way at me for a moment. Here's the challenge. You got to tell somebody. My goodness, you got to tell somebody. You got you got to find somebody and through relationship with them be the positive in their life, be the change in their life, be the truth in their life, be the source of Christ Jesus and light in their life. I want to ask you to do this if you will. Let God use you in this way. God, when you put somebody on my heart, I'm not just going to keep silent. I'm going to tell, tell them about you. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to just go out and just scream to every person I come in contact with. I'm not suggesting that. But as God puts somebody in my heart, puts somebody in my pathway, I am not going to be quiet. I'm going to live you loud and bright before them. If that's you, would you just step out of your seat and just come and find, just join us in the altar this morning, just as a point of commitment. Just as a step of faith and commitment, say, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to hold my tongue. I'm not going to refuse to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to tell somebody. Father, for every person that's come down. Lord, this week, next week, and the weeks to come, you're going to give them an opportunity to exercise their commitment that they're making right now. That, Lord, over the course of the next few days, weeks, there's going to be somebody that's on your heart that's going to come on to my heart. Someone that's on your mind that's going to be on my mind. And God, when that moment comes, I'm going to instantly begin to look for opportunities to tell them about Jesus Christ. I'm going to live my faith, not in silence, but I'm going to live my faith boldly. I'm going to live my faith so that those people around me know where I stand. Because I can't be quiet about the cross and how it's changed my life. i got to tell somebody. Jesus, you made a difference in me. You gave me hope. You gave me future. You gave me life. You gave me a plan. You gave me a purpose. You gave me something to look forward to. You're preparing eternity for me. And because of that, I cannot keep my mouth shut. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for empowerment. I pray for your strength. Lord, just across this room as these folks have come, I just pray the anointing of God to rest upon them. And I pray that, Lord, you start a fire in their lives that is contagious, that's catching, that's appealing. Lord God, that draws people because you're high and lifted up in their lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, because of their faith, because of their commitment, because, Lord God, you have seen them take those steps of faith out, I pray, Lord, that you would also give them a blessing, that you would let your favor rest upon them, 
Your anointing rests upon them. I pray, God, that you would just prepare good and perfect things for their lives. And, Lord, as we're walking with you, we're walking right into the goodness of God. We thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.